Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. God work, God stir, God move, and it's been wonderful and refreshing. And I believe that part of waking up as a, as a sleeping giant, you know, I, I was reminded um, you know, when, uh, when World War II was taking place, and um, I've read many things about that really, you know, America, of course, kind of stayed out of all that until the attack of Pearl Harbor, and then the sleeping giant was woke up, and we entered the war, and um, we made a huge difference in that of World War II and the changing and the shifting of that war. And it's the same thing for us as the church. It's time to wake up, to rise up, and to be the people of God that God has intended us to be. And I believe that happens through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so as we read in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, so listen, I'm gonna, this is like an overview of things. I, I fully understand there's a lot of things I don't have time just to say in these few moments this morning, but I'm going to do my best to give a picture of the empowerment and power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and verse 16, it says, And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. What a wonderful promise. That God the Father is going to send another helper to be with us forever. And this is, of course, Jesus talking to the disciples. We see in John chapter 14 and verse 26. But the helper, remember, he's sending another helper. And that helper, and then we see his name, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What a powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we have sensed and felt and experienced the Holy Spirit in such a wonderful way the last few weeks. As a matter of fact, last Sunday I said something very intentional. Was that, and, and I'll make the declaration again, is that we are a Pentecostal church. And as being a Pentecostal church, what we believe is we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yes, one of those being tongues. Now I'm going to tell you, I think sometimes as Pentecostal churches, we kind of zero in on on tongues maybe slightly too much in some senses because there are many continuing evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a deep work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that the way our service is going is just the way the Lord would want our new year to start. And I forgot my timer again. I'm sorry. So now I have 30 minutes. <laughs> they don't count before because I'm starting my timer now. Um, and I, I, so I, I believe that we ha I have to preach this morning about the Holy Spirit. And I know, and I, I do want to uh, say this, I know that some people um, uh, uh, struggle with the thought, the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's been a history that really lies a lot on a Pentecostals, the way that we have made others feel because of our belief in the Holy Spirit. And just because we are Pentecostal, it does not make us superior in our belief. 
It does not make us superior in our belief. Some were raised where there was no emphasis on the person or the work of the Holy Spirit. Some were raised to believe that not all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. But I, hopefully I can give you a snapshot of picture to show and to see that yes, the Holy Spirit is for today. It's not some kind of weirdness or poltergeist or anything like that. There is the third person of the Trinity, the blessed Holy Spirit, and he has been given as a gift to us to empower us, to encourage us, to direct us, to guide us, to comfort us. And we're going to be looking uh, several things of that. There are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. And yes, some of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll read about those. You'll read about those gifts. And a, a very um, important verse to remember when we're talking about these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. Now that's not going to be on the screen, but maybe you want to jot that down or flip over and, and underline it real quick because there is a very important terminology when it comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. And it says this, but as the Spirit wills. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts and special occurrences to people in the body of Christ as he wills. It's not something that we can force to happen. It's not something that we can manipulate. It's not something that we can drum up. The, 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 uh, the genesis of it is it has to happen by the will of the Holy Spirit. And some of those gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. But that can be expressed in many different ways. And one of those is if you've ever been in a service where um, uh, somebody read your mail, so to speak, is the way we describe that, that somebody who does not know you or know where you are at it has this supernatural knowledge of a situation you're in or what you're facing. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit of understanding and the gift of wisdom. We also see supernatural faith, gifts of healing. I believe that healing is for today. And I also believe that you don't have to have the gift in 1 Corinthians 12 to see healings take place. The Bible says to call upon the elders of the church, anoint people with all, pray for this. The prayer of the righteous man availeth much. We can see God do amazing things by us coming together and praying for miracles and healing. But I'm going to tell you, there are men and women of God who have been given a special gift of miracles that's given, been given by the Holy Spirit. Working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits. As I said um, just a few weeks ago, that discernment, the power of discernment is just not knowing right from wrong, but right and almost right. We need that gift at the, in the uh, uh, work in the church today. And there, yes, there is tongues and interpretation of tongues. And we have that expression happen many times in our corporate worship service. Somebody begins to speak out in tongues. And it's always amazing because it's always how the Spirit wills, right? And it's like you just see the Holy Spirit as this wonderful conductor that whatever's going on, whatever. Uh, loud prayers or worship and music always tends to die down just right and that message in tongues come forth and then whether it's the person that gives it or someone else give the interpretation of those tongues those are all gifts of the holy spirit but it doesn't stop there there's administration there's uh there's a, a ministry service there's teaching there's encouragement there's giving there's leadership there's mercy i mean just to name a few and you can read most of those actually in romans chapter 12 but there's also the fruit of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these 
are the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says it is one Spirit at work. One Spirit at work. But what I want you to know this morning is the Holy Spirit is a person. I, it, I cannot refer to the Holy Spirit as it. I just cannot do it. And I, and it, you know, I don't, and when other people call him it, it does bother me. I'm like, you mean him. I, I will. If we're in, now when somebody's preaching, I don't like to stand up and say him. You know, I, I don't do that. But in conversation, I say, you mean him. He, he is not a, an animate object. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is the expression and the heart and the revelation of God himself. And so we see that he is, the Holy Spirit is a person. And when I read through Acts, one of my favorite books just to read all the way through, even in one sitting, I love how the, this, this uh, verses about the Holy Spirit just come out and, and jump out. Listen, the Holy Spirit was vital in the first century church. The Holy Spirit was necessary in the first century church. And I would say in our century today, the Holy Spirit needs to be vital. And the Holy Spirit needs to be necessary. But He is the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and you read in Acts 5 about uh, the, disciple, uh, uh, what happened, the man that the gate called beautiful got healed. And, and some of the disciples got arrested. And so I'm making this really short. And they really didn't know what to do. And so all the religious of the day, the same guys that crucified Jesus, was they're having this powwow. What do we do with these guys? And so they came up with this brainstorm. Okay, we'll tell them, don't preach anymore. And the disciples said, how can we not speak on what we have seen? And I mean, they're pretty much saying, we're going to talk about it. We experienced something very powerful. But what they said in Acts 5, 532, we are his witnesses his person his witnesses it goes on to say i mean things that kind of show his personhood i mean in act seven when stephen's preaching right before he gets stoned i mean what a wonderful welcome to deacons right as we approach our business meeting but stephen was getting stoned a deacon one of the first seven deacons and and we see in verse 7, I mean, he's preaching, why you always resist the Holy Spirit? There's that resistance to the person, the Holy Spirit. Acts eleven twelve. the Spirit told me to go with them. The Holy Spirit speaks. He speaks to us. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit. That shows us that he's part of this, of the Godhead, of the Trinity. And he sends out people into the mission field. I really love this one. Acts 15, 28. Matter of fact, I really believe that us as believers should talk more in this lingo more often, but it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. I really like that. It seemed good. What that means is they had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, this, the person of the Holy Spirit, that he was involved in their decision-making process. And it just isn't that they were in unity together, but they were in unity with the Godhead. Man, that's special. They were, we see in other places, they were forbidden to go preaching the Holy Spirit, the word in Asia, Acts 16. Uh, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them, the Bible says. Acts 19, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia. Acts 20, 23, the Holy Spirit, Paul was talking, he says, the Holy Spirit tells me city after city. 
The Holy Spirit is a person, and so he speaks. Jesus taught the Holy Spirit was a person. Matter of fact, he said the world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and doesn't recognize him. I mean, that's just one more instance to let us know we are different. Listen, if we're fitting in with the world, then something's wrong with the we. But you know him because he lives in, we're going to talk about this in just a moment, but, but you know him because he lives with you and will later on be in you. These are the words of Jesus. In John 14, we read it in our text, he will teach you. We, you see in John 16, 13, that he will guide you. We see a very important verse in verse 16, 13, that he does not speak on his own authority, and he will only speak what he hears, and what he hears is from the Father. What I'm trying to tell you is the Holy Spirit is not some kind of sideshow weirdness that is doing his own thing. What he's doing, he's taking the things from the heart of the Father and he's making it known to us. And he does that by that work on the inside of us. I mean, the whole, I mean, there's more. The Holy Spirit can feel sorrow. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. The Holy Spirit has a voice. He, and if you want these, some of these verses, I can give them to you later, but he, the Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit, he comforts. The Holy Spirit, he teaches. And so as we focus in on this wonderful uh, person of the Trinity, I, I just want to give this a basic kind of how the the, the, the Trinity operates, and there, you know, there's all kinds of great illustrations and definitions about the Trinity, and there's some really confusing ones. And I think one of the best definitions I ever heard come from uh, Nabil Qureshi and his book, um, uh, uh, Seeking All of Finding Jesus. He gives a, a definition about uh, the Trinity that's powerful, but let me illustrate it this about just talking about water, H2O, water. And of course, I'm, listen, I'm a redneck. I didn't learn my periodic table. I mean, I, I thought, oh, I want to be a nurse when I was in college, and then I went to my first day of A&P, and I was like, I don't want to be a nurse. <laughs> let this H2O can manifest in three different forms, and the temperature determines what that form will be, whether it will be a solid, whether it be a liquid, or whether it be a gas. Water substance, its molecular structure never changes. It's always H2O, whether it be that solid, liquid, or gas. But its expression changes based on the environment, the temperature. In the same way, God's central makeup doesn't change. When you see the Son, you see the Father. And the Spirit was sent to reveal the Son for you to see the Father. And the Spirit was sent to reveal the Son. God is one and one in person, yet He has three expressions, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is the personality of the Holy Spirit. We see in John 14, 16, He says, I will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. We see the personality of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, but the helper. Everybody say helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. We see in another place, I want to give you another verse, in John chapter 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And this is a very powerful moment when Jesus is teaching right here, what he's, 
what he's been talking to them about when you read John 14, 15, and 16. I mean, he's talking to the disciples about his death, his crucifixion. He's talking about his resurrection and ascension. And the disciples are having a very difficult time processing and understanding what's going on. And he said, listen, I know what I'm telling you. may not catch it right now, but I'm going to send a gift. I'm going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to remind you of all this stuff that I told you. He's going to remind you of all this stuff that I have taught you. And yeah, it may be after I've died and risen and, and ascended into heavens, but you're going to remember what I've said. What? I mean, God is so awesome. He's so awesome. And so we see that even Jesus says here, it is to your event. I mean, we today, I know we long to see Jesus. I mean, we may have an image in our, our mind's eye of what that moment's going to be like, but it is truly to our advantage that Jesus left. Because when Jesus left, what it meant was is that the omnipresence of God through the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, can be at work in us today. You understand the power in that? That if Jesus was still here, I mean, if we wanted to have a connect with God, we'd have to go find wherever Jesus was. Why? Because, yes, Jesus was 100% God, but he's also 100% flesh. Are you following me? And so we're thankful that he sent the promise of the Holy Spirit, but we see something about his personality. We see that he's a helper. Now, that word, uh, what we're going to kind of break apart right now, it really is multifaceted what's happening right here. Because you're, if you have a different translation, it's quite possible there's a different word right there. Some say helper, some say comforter, some say encourager, some say advocate. Some say counselor, some say mediator. And when you look at all these words, he is all of those things. Because what that word is, is alon, A-L-L-O-N, or, or we talk about the parakletos, the one who comes along aside. And so I want to remind you this morning of something that happened way back in the Old Testament where God declared who he was, and he declared it to Moses at the burning of the bush. Do you remember the statement that God said? God said, when Moses was like, who, who am I going to say is sending me to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh? What, what am I going to say? You got to understand, I mean, we read this like they knew what was going on. I'm going to tell you, Moses didn't have a clue what was going on, and neither would have we. I mean, this is the first time he's having an encounter with God in this fashion. I mean, we, I mean, we read the story of the burning bush and all that's taking place, and it's kind of just, you know, just something we're used to reading all the time. Moses didn't know what was going on. That's why God had to introduce himself. It's like, okay, so who in the, I mean, I, I don't know, but I, I'd be like, people don't think I'm nuts, man. <laughs> I mean, I may, the desert heat's gotten to me. Who, who am I going to say this? I, you want me to make this, who am I going to say sent me? And God says what? You tell them I am sent you. And I'm going to tell you of, of, of any declaration revealing the character and nature of God. To me, this is so powerful because you know what it does? I know we have, I mean, we have uh, people in this room that have been in church a long time and some that hadn't been in such a long time. But when you go through the Old Testament, there's encounters with God. And those encounters with God 
reveals something about him. And that's when you think about uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac and, or, uh, or even something God said to Moses. Anyway, what, what happens to the Old Testament, we see this revelation of God called the compound names of God. And that's where we get Jehovah Nissi. That means the Lord our banner. So there was something that happened, and God specifically expressed himself as a banner to his people. Are you following? He told Moses, matter of fact, Jehovah Rophe. And if you look in Exodus 32, you'll read about where God spoke to Moses and said, these diseases are not going to touch you. I'm the Lord God that heals you. That Lord God that heals you, that's Jehovah Rophe. So God reveals a nature, uh, a character trait about himself. Of course, this is before Jesus. This is before the Holy Spirit is feeling it. He's upon people, but he's not really in anybody. Are you following me? So they had to have these specific encounters for God to reveal who he is. I am that I am. A simple definition is this. God will be to us whatever we need him to be when we need him to be it. When you look at the picture as a whole, when you look at um, Genesis all the way to Malachi, Malachi. When you, when you look at the whole Old Testament, that, that is part of the purpose taking place as God is saying, you need a banner, I'm your banner. You need righteousness, I'm your righteousness. You need a healer, I'm your healer. You need a provider, I'm your provider. I'm preaching a whole lot better than what you're looking at me right now. But see, the Holy Spirit is the same expression. He is the mirror. He is the representation of God to us. So if that's who, and Jesus was the same way. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I mean, you think, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. I mean, you think of all the I am statements of Christ during the Gospels. Jesus took the same model that the Father did in the Old Testament, and we see it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we get to Acts, and the Holy Spirit represents the same way, the same thing, the same character, the same personality. And we see it in this one word, parakletos, the one who comes along the side. Let me express it to you this way. The Holy Spirit is whatever you need him to be when you need him to be it. Glory to God. Did I lose everybody? Or do you think I'm in left field? <laughs> he's encourager. He's comforter. He's counselor. In John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage I go away so that you know personally, you know personally that the Lord your God is your encourager, is your comforter, is your advocate, is your guide, is your counselor, is your helper. I mean, think about it. When you look at that verse, do we have the blank? The blank did we do the blank? Did it, was that on the notes? Was it on the next slide? Did I not do that? I, I, if... if if you read that verse, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, then right there is we see that word helper. But if we, it is okay to put a blank right there. Do you know why? Because he's your encourager. He's your intercessor. He's your peace. He's, he's your miracle in the waiting. And I want to take just a moment and as I talk about this, I, these character traits of the Holy Spirit, and I would even dare say his passion is to be this helper, this, this comforter. 
You know, as I said, when you read John 14, 15, and 16, you really should read those three chapters together. I mean, to really be in context of what's happening, you really need to read, read all three of those together. But this is where Jesus, I mean, in the very part of John 14, he's telling them, I'm, I'm leaving you. <laughs> I'm leaving you. But if I go, I want you to know that I'm coming back. I want you to know there's a whole lot of rooms in my father's house. And he begins to talk about this peace that only he can give. And we see it in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There are times we face in life that just blindside us. And I'm, this is the, I'm, I'm talking about something very specific here that truly knock the wind out of us, that leave us in bewilderment, that leave us with this wind, this breath knocked out of us, that leave us not knowing how we can face the next moment, much less the next day. It's the moment that the ministry of the Holy Spirit can become so evident in your life because you may feel like the ton of bricks have been dropped on your head. You may feel like that you have no hope. You may feel like that all is lost, that all this battle can't be won. You may feel like that there's never getting up after this one, but we have been given the person of the Holy Spirit to be a comforter, to be an encourager, to be an advocate, and it's the Holy Spirit that will lift you up. Sometimes we go through difficult situations and we feel we have no one, no one, nowhere to go, but we have the wonderful gift of the person of the Holy Spirit who was given to us by Jesus. So yes, this encourager, this advocate, this, this, this counselor, this mediator, but also intercessor. Listen, you're going to go through things in life where you're a loss for words. You're going to go through things in life that you don't know what to do. You're going to go through things in life that you completely don't understand. But we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Listen to me. I feel like recently I've been in that very exact situation. Just going into New Year's with the loss of my nephew and his wreck. And listen, he was, he was my nephew, but I'm going to tell you, he was my sister's son. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine, I can't imagine. And what really made that moment just so much more worse, it had just been 12 years since we buried her husband. And in that moment, you wonder, what do I say? What do I do? Do you know what, you know in that moment when you don't know what to do? You pray in a language that you didn't know you had. You pray, you pray with groanings. So I'm going to tell you there's so many people facing situations and they're going everywhere to find an answer when really what you need is to be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Because it's that moment that that ministry becomes more real than ever. And the Holy Spirit will intercede for you, through you, and for those all involved in the situation. And sometimes that really needs to be good enough for us. 
There are times, situations that we're lost for words. There's times we're lost in what to do. Friend, pray with groanings that you don't understand and know the Holy Spirit is making intercession. So yes, when we are baptized, it means immersed in the Holy Spirit, just like baptizo in water. I tell you, I and I, I know that there are many out there, many, many uh, uh, godly, godly people that have a hard time when we begin to talk about this other experience that we can have with the Holy Spirit. And I really don't know how to answer that. The only thing I know to say is encounter God. And count, be hungry to encounter God and His fullness. No matter what we have been taught, no matter our past experiences, let's just be open for God to do in us whatever He wants. We're so afraid because there is weirdness out there. Right? There is weirdness. I'm, I'm, I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've, I've been in services where people bark like dogs. And I, I can honestly say very clearly, that's not God. That's not God. But I heard a man say one. I didn't hear him say, but I read it. A man was talking about praying for revival for God. God, send pure revival. But then he, he wrote this. God, if you can't send pure revival, send revival defects and all. Do you know why he said that? Because when humanity is involved, there's defect. So that means no matter, there's, listen, we don't even under our stelves sometimes. Oh, don't act like you're, you, you've done something, you're like, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe, I mean, we don't even know ourselves that well. I can't believe, I, did I just really say that out loud? Did I say that? Listen to me. When we don't know what to do, we pray in the Spirit. When we are lost for words, we pray in the Spirit. When we don't know how to pray, we pray in the Spirit. When we're in a situation beyond our wisdom, we pray in the Holy Spirit. When we feel like our peace has been robbed, we pray in the Spirit. When you feel like you lack wisdom, you pray in the Spirit. When you lack understanding, you pray in the Spirit. When you're discouraged, you pray in the Spirit. The personality of the Holy Spirit will get you through. And so then we talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is going to be very quick. Now, some of you got your stopwatch on me. The presence of the Holy Spirit. So we talk about the person, the personality, but the presence. John 14, 17, it says something very important. He says, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be where? Where? Where will he be? He's going to be in you. You know why God designed it for the Holy Spirit to be in us? Because we're really good at tuning out with this. Right? I mean, I, you know, Angela thinks I need hearing aids. No, I just know how to turn this off. Right? <laughs> you know, the TV's on. I'm in my box. What'd you say? You say something? But it's hard to ignore that voice on the inside. And people do go to great lengths to try to ignore that voice. The work of the Holy Spirit is more than just salvation, even though it is salvation. And so just very quickly, very briefly, the work on the Holy Spirit begins in us before salvation. It begin, his work begins in us before salvation. You know why? It's the Holy Spirit that draws us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit that convicts us. 
that convicts us. When, the, when it comes to the, he, he convicts us of the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, John 16, 8. The work of the Holy Spirit continues during salvation. That's when we get to this awesome promise of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. That happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us new. So it's before salvation, it's during salvation, and it continues after salvation. How many times have I shared the verse with you in Philippians 2.13, for it is he that works in us, that he is God, the Holy Spirit. It is God who works in you to both will and act. So it happens before salvation, happens during salvation, and God's work continues after salvation. Aren't you thankful? And for so many, that's kind of where it ends, but I'm going to implore you, to encourage you. I don't know really the right terminology to understand there is more. There is more to experience the work of the Holy Spirit, and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see in Acts chapter 2 that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. You can read Acts 2.39 to find that out. We see in places where, uh, in Samaria, where in Acts chapter 8, Philip, he goes to Samaria, and all this cool stuff starts happening. And people are getting healed, and you can read Acts 8 and find all about it. But people are getting healed and saved and, and delivered and all this cool stuff stuff happening and so the the disciples really were at a loss what to do and so verse 15 some disciples came, some apostles came down to help Philip out because he was you know uh, anyway and so in verse 15 it says uh, that they came down and these apostles and prayed for them that they might receive what they might receive what the Holy Spirit now listen to me they were already saved Wait, so here it's saying, but for them to receive, see, there's another encounter to have with the Holy Spirit. And prayed for them, they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, Acts 8, 16. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's how we know that they were saved. They are baptized in the name of Jesus, in the remission of their sins. They're saved. And right here in Acts 8, we see there's another encounter to have that's called receiving the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were filled. Acts 8, 17. And then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When I think one of the best encounters in Scripture is in Acts chapter 19. And that's Paul when he's at Ephesus and he meets these guys. And Paul said, pretty much he asked the question, have you received since you believed? And they're like, what in the world are you talking about? I mean, we've been in the John's baptism. They, they knew John the Baptist. But Paul is saying, oh, there's a whole lot. I know I'm paraphrasing, but you can go read it for yourself, Acts 19. Paul says, oh, no, there's a whole lot more. And so Paul leads them to Jesus, and then he prays for them, and they get filled in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 19.4, we see John baptized the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him then verse 5 on hearing this they were baptized in the name of Jesus so they got saved and then in Acts 19 6 then Paul laid his hand on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in unknown tongues I'm just showing you your Bible church and so we see they got saved but Paul's like oh no we're not done yet there is more and that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit Cornelius' household, one of my favorites, and I'm going to close with this one. This has to do with Peter. Peter has a vision in Acts chapter 10. And this wonderful vision that God gives Peter is that Pastor Todd can have a pork chop. Hey, no, that's not really, kind of, sort of. He has this dream about all these unclean animals coming down 
And God's speaking to him and says, arise and eat. The Lord, that's all unclean stuff. I mean, and God pretty much says, don't, don't, don't call. I, I'll, I'll decide what's holy and unholy. I'm, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> God says, I'm going to decide what's holy and unholy. There's something to hear that this morning. And so in Acts 10, 44, something, so, so Cornelius, right, he's a Gentile. And so God's stirring and dealing with Cornelius. And so Cornelius sends these, I mean, how God just orchestrates things. And then, so Cornelius sends these guys to go get Peter. And so Peter comes to Cornelius' house, and Peter starts preaching to them. And there's something really awesome that I just love about in Acts chapter 10. And so Peter comes, and, you know, he's out of this encounter with the Holy Spirit. But in verse 44, we read, in Acts 10, 44, I don't know if that's on the screen or not, but while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, listen, listen to this, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles. So you got to picture this. I mean, there's these guys with Peter. I mean, God's pouring out upon these Gentiles. They're getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's these guys with Peter saying, but they, have they even got saved yet? Oh, come on now, church. God's working in Gentiles? But what's God doing? I mean, they were amazed at what God was doing was the Holy Spirit fell on all it's for everyone who heard the word. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit, and in verse 4, 16, for they were hearing them, listen, speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter's like, well, they got saved and filled in the Holy Ghost. We might as well baptize them, Acts 10, 47. So listen to me. I wish I had far more time to talk about the specific gift of tongues. And I know there, and I wish I had time to address all the myths that are believed of why that this precious gift of the Holy Spirit is not for today. And I want to say something with as much concern, much humility as I possibly know how to say. And it's not a judgment toward anybody, to, any, to anybody else. I only say this of myself. I cannot imagine how I could ever face the days to come without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine. I can't speak for you. I mean, God, God knew for me to stay saved, I had to get filled. <laughs> I mean, you, you want to end the cycle of the up and down and get immersed get filled with the power of the holy spirit and why tongues i don't know why tongues but i can tell you what the bible says the bible says that when we speak in tongues we're not speaking to man but we're speaking to god but when we pray in that language what it does the bible says is that we are edifying ourselves that is not a negative that is saying God, through the Holy Spirit, when you use that prayer language, is strengthening your spirit. 
How many of you think, how many of you need a strong spirit this morning? I mean, we, listen, I, I've been, I mean, since January 1, I thought this is the year I'm, I'm joining the gym. I haven't done it yet, no comments. And granted, I, I may need to do something in that direction, absolutely, but I'm going to tell you something. I can't go another day without praying in the Spirit. Because I know when I use that language that God has given me as that evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit, it engages something between the Holy Spirit and my spirit that strengthens me with the strength that I didn't know was available. That gives me the power to live right in this world. That gives me the power to be His witness. That opens up my heart to hear His voice speak to me the truths that I need to hear, that even when I don't know what to do or understand that I can pray in the Spirit and, and with words I don't understand and the Holy Spirit is making intercession through me. Oh, so awesome how God has thought of everything. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.